Welcome back to the Video Essay Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeGravio. On today's show, I am joined by one of my favorite documentary filmmakers, Alexander Philippe. You may know Alexander's work best from The People vs. George Lucas or 7852, which is his film on the psycho shower scene, or perhaps Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist, or Memory, The Origins of Alien. Uh, on today's show, we talk about his latest theatrical release, Lynch Oz, which, as the title suggests, explores the relationship between one David Lynch and the Wizard of Oz. I first saw this film back um, at Fantastic Fest, which I was covering remotely, um, and it's really stuck with me since, so I can't wait to have a chance to see it once again, this time on the big screen. Um, Those of us who are in New York City uh, are very lucky because it premieres today, June 2nd, at the IFC Theater, Um, but as it begins this theatrical run, I would encourage you all to track down the film and hopefully watch it at a theater near you. As always, you can learn more about the Video Essay podcast at thevideoessay.com. You can also check out our online screening platform, Recycled Screenings. Again, that's at recycledscreenings.com. And subscribe to our free newsletter, Notes on Videographic Criticism, at thevideoessay.substack.com. I would also ask that you please consider subscribing to the Video Essay podcast on YouTube. And now, here is my conversation with Alexander Philippe. I think anyone familiar with your work, um, it it would be no surprise that you would eventually come uh, to David Lynch and also <laughs> to the Wizard of Oz. Um, but could you just yeah. share with us how you arrived at this project? Sure. I mean, you know, it's very sort of organic. I I think there's, uh, you know, I would say very definitely a very intuitive uh, component to my process of, uh, you know, I, I feel that, you know, projects kind of reveal themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, over time as you know this needs to be the next project or you know something happens serendipitously that leads to a project you know there's a, there's a very organic sort of aspect to things and I I've always trusted that you know I've always sort of followed you know my heart I guess mm-hmm. um, in in that and and uh lo and behold you know we've got uh, 11 features now you know <laughs> it's uh you know i've got two more that we're about to start working on so it, it's uh it's been an interesting journey but uh, you know at the end of the day i mean i would say it's it's all curiosity i i i'm very you know i've been a cinephile since i was a kid and uh you know i'm certainly not a trained film studies person um uh, you know i'm not a film historian I'm just a film geek and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, clearly I have a very sort of unique way of looking at 
movies, I guess, or, or details in movies, but everybody does, you know, I mean, and, right. and, uh, and I think for me, you know, in retrospect, because it certainly was not, you know, it was never the, the grant plan, but it's in, in retrospect, I look at, you know, the films we've made, and I think they're, they, they're, they're a little bit of a bridge between, you know, cinema studies, which tends to be intimidating, I think, for most people, you know, right. or that most people tend to think of as, as really, you know, complicated, which it can be, and dry, which it can be, um, and, and then the general public, you know, so they're, to me, they're films, they're films about films. You know, I don't, I don't like to call them film essays. I don't like to call them documentaries. They're films about films. And, and by, by this, I mean, they have to be cinematic experiences. I, the films that we make are designed to be first and foremost enjoyed in a movie theater. They're, they're cinematic experience. They have sound design, you know, they have production values. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're big movies about movies. Right. Um, I mean, of course, not everybody can get to watch them on, on the big screen, but that's, that's always the intent, you know? And so, so to me, they're about, you know, hopefully transmitting this passion, this sort of nerdy passion that I have for film and to make them accessible, to make people who are not, you know, who don't have a PhD in cinema studies to go, Oh my gosh, you know, cracking open the shower scene uh, is really fun. Like maybe I can do that by myself, you know, mm-hmm. with other films, because that's the fun. I mean, when you get to really dive into the great movies, uh, you know, uh, every single time you watch them or rewatch them, you're going to find something new. And that's the joy. Absolutely. And so when you come to a project like this, do you like what was that kind of aha moment that led you to it? Do you say, oh, I want to, you know, it's, it's time to think about I want to do something on David Lynch or The Wizard of Oz or was there what did that moment exist or was it kind of a slow process that you were mm-hmm. kind of thinking, thinking about trying to find your way in? No, the, the moment always exists, but I never remember the moment. It's very <laughs> strange. Uh, it's an, I, I never remember the the day when I went, that's it, we're doing Lynch Oz. It's almost like I've always wanted to make Lynch Oz, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Um, you know, it's weird. So I, I do know that clearly I've been thinking about it for a while and then eventually it becomes kind of this evidence that this film has to be made. And you know, Lynch Oz, I mean obviously the the connections have been floating around in culture for a while and fans have been talking about you know, all these possible connections for a while. And, but, you know, I, I, I entered that film. It felt right to me. It felt like the right way to get into, you know, the works of David Lynch um, and to get into the Wizard of Oz, you know, to, to, to put that sort of unique different lens, you know, on, on, on them both. But I had no um, uh, guarantee that this, was going to be a feature that there was enough meat on the bones there, mm-hmm. but it felt right. And I never questioned it, you know, in the moment we, we opened that door and went down the rabbit hole. Um, you know, my God, I mean, yeah, then uh, <laughs> it was very clear that it was going to be a feature and that we would actually have to rein it in and not make it a three hour film. Yes. One of the things that struck me most in, in watching it was how you contextualized, as you say, kind of these, 
parallels that fans and also Lynch himself has drawn, right? I mean, you can't watch Wild at Heart and not see Oz. And so I'm I'm wondering, you know, how that maybe was like an easy way in, but I imagine it was also a challenge, right? To avoid kind of just being too on the nose and trying to say something totally new. Is is that true? And, and how did you, I guess, how did you navigate the you know, that existing discourse in connection, as you said about making this? Yeah, no, I, I, there's not, I, I never worry about those things because Mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, it's, it's not about the obvious connections. It's not about, again, this is not a DVD extra. This is not about, you know, pointing, Oh, look, you know, here's a nudge. Oh, oh, look, here's here's a nod. Which, by the way, is kind of what Wild at Heart does. I mean, the characters in Wild at in Wild at Heart have uh, seen the Wizard of Oz. They 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 reference the Wizard of Oz constantly. You know, uh, and and I would absolutely make the argument that it's the least Ozian of all of David Lynch's films. Mm. Uh, mm. You know, it is the most in your face referential. But the reason I don't worry about it is because it's it's the it's all the 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 subconscious references mm-hmm. uh, all the ways in which uh you know david lynch taps into the wizard of oz without necessarily knowing he's stepping into the wizard of oz that's what's interesting to me mm-hmm. and and because now what you have is a film that speaks to not just lynch and oz but it goes way way beyond that and goes into you know, the, the mysteries of influence and inspiration on the creative process, which is what Lynch Oz is about. And so when you get into that, when you start tapping into that, there's no, there's no end to it. You know, mm. you, you can only, you can only scratch the surface. There's, you know, just like I've said many times, you know, after making 7852, I felt like that was just a starting point into the shower scene, but there's many more films about the shower scenes, about the shower scene that I could do, that mm-hmm. I probably will do, you know, at, at some point. And I could do I could do shower film scenes for the rest of my life and have a full, interesting, compelling, uh, fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. Uh, because once you start tapping into these extraordinary movies and moments that literally have no bottom, um, you know, uh, it's it's just all it's just all fun and discovery from there. I'd be eager to hear from you more generally. What are some of the films and filmmakers that have been influential in how you think about your own work? Like, is there a tradition that you see yourself working in and, and following? No. Um, <laughs> and okay, let me let me take a step back. I'm, I'm certainly not <laughs> suggesting that that uh, I, I haven't been deeply influenced by filmmakers, but I certainly don't look at it in terms of you know I'm I'm part of this particular school or way of thinking or whatever i don't you know i don't look at it that that way for me it's again it's all about uh it's an emotional influence Mm -hmm. uh and and you know to me it starts from there you know it's it starts from from the heart it starts from a passion it starts from being moved by a film and when i'm moved by a film i'm gonna go rewatch it and rewatch it and rewatch it. I often say that, you know, movie, movie watching is not, is movie rewatching. You haven't really watched a great film unless you start rewatching it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the great films 
can be watched over and over and over and over again. And every single time you're going to see something new. So, so no, it's not a school, but I will say certainly Hitchcock is my hero. 100%. Uh, I will say that Vertigo is my movie. That's the, it's always going to be my movie. I'm, you know, I'm working on a film on, on Vertigo. It's um, going to be put on the hold a little bit because we've got two other projects we're working on right now, but but um, th- that's that's a very important film that I've wanted to make for a long time, and, uh, and you know, like I need to make a film about Vertigo. There's no question about it. <laughs> but you know, but there's so many, yeah. I mean, so many movies that have affected me. You know, I mean, if you if you want to sort of talk about what is my Wizard of Oz, you know, if if we if we make the argument that the Wizard of Oz was, you know, the potentially the most influential film i would say more than potentially probably the most influential film on david lynch you know what are the films that have been most influential to me outside of vertigo i mean i will say certainly blade runner i will say certainly solaris you know i mean those those three for me are you know they're they're way up there very recently i mean in recent years um i mean i, I watch mostly old films you know but obviously i try to you know to, right. to keep up much as much as i can you know uh but um i lost my body i thought was uh was a sublime film Mm. Uh, um uh you know i was i was really really impressed and moved by uh marcel the shell with shoes on uh which is sort of a really mystical you know i mean mystical animated faux documentary i mean come on you know like like it's so awesome that films like this get made in the first place um you know i i always point to a lot of silent films you know like mm-hmm. Gaunt, uh, the, the wheel you know La Rue, which is a seven and a half hour you know silent melodrama which i think is one of the greatest films ever made uh i mean yeah it's it's endless you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and of course david lynch of course david lynch you know i mean like uh, lost highway and Mulholland drive I mean, those are, you know, especially Middle Holland Drive. I mean, that that's the film that I've seen. I, I know for sure more than 70 times. I mean, I've I've done a lot of, lots of like sort of, you know, live stop-start deconstructions of the film and, you know, talked about the film a lot and taught classes on the film. And, you know, it's, um, it's one of the most important films for me. What is a live uh, deconstruction? Like what, what does that entail? That sounds fascinating. Oh, uh, so basically, you 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 play the film in uh, in a theater, obviously with uh, with a, a crowd, and you sort of deconstruct it. You know, not necessarily shot by shot, but you you play the film, and every time you want to say something, you you pause, and mm. every time, and then you encourage the audience to do the same thing. When there's something that they see or they want to comment on, they say stop, and you pause the film, and so it it becomes this very interactive, you know, conversation, and you know, usually it'll take you five, six hours to go through the, through the film, you know? Um, so it's fun. <laughs> yeah. That, that sounds great. I think, yeah, I think Roger Ebert used to do something similar, right? I, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I remember going to uh, Boulder in my, uh, you know, a couple of times and I went to see a couple of his deconstructions and, and they were, they were wonderful. I mean, that's, that was, that was such a great thing. And then uh, it inspired me to do, to do some of those as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you can kind of see how right, you're kind of doing something, uh, you know, deconstruction obviously is a huge part of um, a lot of your filmmaking. And so from that kind of more critical lens, are there any films about films or maybe even written 
critics who are kind of influential in how you think about the kind of analysis and discussion of cinephilia and this emotional connection to film that you explore that have been influential in your work? Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I don't know that they were necessarily influential in my work, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I absolutely have to talk about um, my buddy Rodney Asher, uh, who I just, I just love as a human. He's just incredible. Um, and and in my relationship with Room Two Three Seven, which um, has changed over time, mm-hmm. and I don't know, I don't know how much I actually told him about this. But uh, you know, the, the the first time that that I watched Room Two Three Seven, I I I didn't get it, and I it it I don't know if to say that it rubbed rubbed me the wrong way is the right way to put it, but it I was a little bit sort of perturbed by it because of these you know just completely crazy theories right <laughs> on, on Shining and these and I'm like, well, who are these people? You know, they're not they're not film experts. They're you know, they're, they're conspiracy theorists, you know, essentially is what they are. <laughs> but that's, but, you know, and, it, and it's interesting because it didn't occur to me until, you know, it took me a long time really to sort of uh, understand that this is, this is very specifically Rodney's obsession. It's not that he adheres to, to these theories and these people and the way that they're thinking, uh, but that he likes, that he's fascinated by the way these people think and that mm. he's willing to present those theories to us and to remove himself from that process and say, well, this is what happens when you watch a film over and over and over again. And then to leave it to us to figure out, is this overthinking? Is there something to, you know, to it there? Is this completely crazy? What, what is it? You know? Um, and I think it's such a beautiful way to, to do it. And I think in a way you could call it influential on me in the sense that every time that I approach a film about film, I obviously make, well, first of all, you have to make decisions about how you're going to approach the film, how you're going to structure the film and who's going to be a part of the universe of this film about film that you're making. Mm. And so when you, when you interview those people and you, 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 you invite them to participate and they start opening their world and their perspective and they start sort of taking you places because that's the point of the exercise is you want them to take you places. You want them to, you know, to hold your hand and say, I'm going to take you now through, you know, David Lynch's films. I'm going to take you through the wizard of Oz and I'm going to show you what I see. And, and that to me is my passion. My passion is to have the privilege to, you know, to pick the brains of people who are cinephiles, great, you know, film thinkers, filmmakers, uh, craftsmen, you know, craftspeople. I mean, just people who understand film and who clearly view it in a very different way. Mm-hmm. And to try and reevaluate or see those films that I love deeply through a completely different lens. And that process is endless. And in a way, you know, even though I tend to go for people who are quote unquote experts and Rodney tends to go to people who are not, (laughs) (laughs) but who are equally, but who are equally passionate, you know, about that. 
it's it's that passion that I think he he taps into a different kind of passion. But the fact that we both tap into the, the passion for film, for uncovering, for discovering, for deconstructing film, I think that's that's the exercise. And so, you know, when you're dealing with David Lynch, uh, which is unexplainable, that you know, obviously you don't want to you don't want to even attempt to try to explain because that you're never going to. Um, uh, to be able to venture, you know, you know, down the 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 the, the, the mysteries, you know, of 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 David Lynch to do to do it with somebody like Rodney Asher to me was so fitting and so kind of perfect, and I just love the way that without giving it away, but his chapter is so crazy and dark, mm. um, and I feel like completely untethers you as you watch the film and you don't even know what's real or what's not anymore which is so fitting you know and so to continue again with rodney asher you know your film features um several um collaborators narrators um karen kusama john waters amy nicholson davy lowry to name a few um and so what was the scripting and collaborative process like for that are you just walk us through that process who's doing the writing how are you working with them etc yeah so it was it was a multi multi-step process i mean this is a film that um you know i started working on basically when COVID started really starting scaring mm. the world i mean we're talk, talking like march 2020 um so you know we were all sort of on lockdown we couldn't you know uh be in the same room so I knew everything had to be remote. And, um, you know, so first, obviously, I had to find, you know, people who were willing to go down that rabbit hole with me, like to completely commit to this idea, this crazy idea of, you know, let's go, let's explore Lynch and Oz. And what do we find? What do we see? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and so the, the, the first part is what I call a jazz uh, interview. I would get them on the phone and. Uh, you know, between, you know, the first one was about 90 minutes and the last one was about three and a half hour. The, the, the longest one was about three and a half hours. You know, that's kind of the range of, of the length of the interviews that I had. And I was um, kind of fishing, you know, for, for their thesis, their theories. And, you know, we went on all kinds of, I mean, we were riffing, you know, on, on Lynch mm-hmm. and Oz. And to me, the, you know, the, the trick here is to, to follow them where they want to, take you even if they don't necessarily know where they want to take you but when they start hinting at certain things you want to sort of encourage them to go in those different places and see where they're gonna you know eventually sort of take you um so you know like i said between 90 minutes three and a half hours um depending on the person that i interviewed and then you know when i felt like okay i've got enough I've got enough material here. I've got enough meat on the bones. Uh, you know, we just hung up and um, transcribed the interview. And then using that, I wrote what I felt was their chapter, mm. essentially, their, their, their thesis. And, uh, you know, send that to them for approval, comments. You know, we usually went back and forth a few times. You know, they deleted a few things, added a few things. I made suggestions. I'm like, well, how about we add this, you know? you know, could you mention such and such film or such and such filmmaker? And, but, you know, ultimately uh, we, we came to a point of, of agreement, like this is it. 
you know, we're, we're happy with the, this chapter. I send them back to the recording studio at that point in the proper recording studio, and they re-recorded their voiceover, and that's what you have in the film. And what what is the relationship between the image and the 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 voices did visual choices come to shape and inform uh the edit of the script or like could you just speak to kind of when you're in the editing room what is that give and take like well the 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 choice of clips came in very early uh at the scripting stage so Mm -hmm. as i was working on their you know again what i thought was their chapter their thesis I was already starting to very actively think about, uh, you know, clip use, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and you have to think about it on a very, very, very micro level, literally sentence by sentence, moment by moment, uh, you know, uh, thinking visually, what, you know, how can I uh, illustrate this mm-hmm. micro moment? Because if you can't do it, uh, you don't have a film, you know. So, so I, I worked really hard in thinking already visually, uh, you know, before I presented presented the script to them, so that I knew that I was going to be able to do something with it. Um, and then, you know, then after that, you know, then it's a very close collaboration with uh, David Lawrence, you know, uh, who is my editor on, on on this film. He also did the Leap of Faith, someone mm-hmm. with and The Exorcist. Uh, you know, I mean, he's uh, he's an incredible, you know, film uh, thinker and filmmaker and uh, film geek, and and uh, you know, he, he brought so much, you know, to the table as well, and so many more, uh, you know, ideas and clips that I hadn't thought of, and you know, it becomes a really a conversation, and then you know, some, sometimes you've got, you know, you also have, you're you're literally auditioning clips, you know, you've got several mm-hmm. possibilities for this micro moment so which one is going to tell the the most compelling story you mm. know uh which one f- is the best fit uh so it's a very um you know it's a very painstaking process out of and you know it becomes a really a conversation and then you know some sometimes you've got you know you also have you're you're literally auditioning clips you know you've got several mm. possibilities for this micro moment so which one is going to tell the the most compelling story you know mm. uh which one f- is the best fit uh so it's a very um you know, a very painstaking process your film is um for those of us lucky enough to live in new york i know it's uh, opening at the ifc uh theater on on june 2nd and a david yeah. lynch retrospective is currently going on I actually have tickets to see Firewalk with me tonight so thank you for uh <laughs> thank you for helping inspire that uh in, th- <laughs> in 35 millimeters so i owe you big time oh but, dude yeah Lucky i can't you. wait <laughs> i can't wait um but but my question goes back to something that you mentioned earlier which was kind of your commitment to making sure that your films are shown in a theater and have that experience yeah. so what does that look like from a production standpoint like how how are you making how are you thinking about that in the process of creating and i apologize this is a really obvious question but i I would just be curious to know yeah i mean again it's it's uh uh uh, you know beyond the film clips themselves you know it's about making sure that that you know for me the basic question is 
uh, you know, am I making a film which I feel comfortable asking people to give whatever, you know, $15 Mm -hmm. uh, to enter a dark theater and enjoy on the big screen? And, you know, and, and that, that has to be, the answer has to be yes. You know, you're, it's a big, to me, it's a really big thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a big ask of, of anybody. And I, I wish, every, I mean, I hope every film filmmaker asks that question because that's the, that's the contract, you know, the, the unspoken contract with the audience is you're asking them to come into this dark place <laughs> for, <laughs> for a good chunk of time and you're promising an experience, you know, so it has to be uh, an experience. And, you know, what, Lynn Shaw's is obviously very, very clip driven. I mean, much more so than any other film that I've made mm-hmm. uh, by virtue of the fact that it is a pandemic film, but I still have, you know, this, uh, you know, cinematic opening and closing sort of, uh, you know, sequence, which, to me is about setting the stage between, you know, sort of introducing in an interesting way, the sort of very thin membrane that exists between Oz and Lynch, right? You know, you've got the emerald curtains of Oz and that that turn into the red curtains of Lynch, but also this idea that I wanted to provide an experience that uh, was in a way referencing uh, transcendental meditation. Mm -hmm. So you're sort of going to take you beyond you know, the, the Emerald curtains beyond the red curtains into a deeper and deeper and deeper state and, and understanding or, or, or connection with Lynch and Oz. And then we're going to sort of bring you back home uh, into the theater as the lights come up. I mean, that was the sort of the design of it. And that's why, you know, in Amy Nicholson, when you go through the curtains the first time, they're, they're Emerald and then they're red, red, red. And then you come out again for the Emerald Curtains back into into the theater, uh, and uh, and then the credits roll. One of the things that's very interesting in this film is it, I think it. Just, I've been interested to hear about kind of the tone of it and how you thought about it because you're you are you kind of rightly I think present yourselves right as kind of outsiders trying to interpret these films and this artist. Uh, who you love, but you never try to like pretend like you never, you have to be authoritative without saying like, Oh, we know this for sure. And we are inside David Lynch's head. And this is a fact. Right, right? So no. there's, the, there's oh, like God. this, yeah. Right. The, and it, it's, you know, there's, there's this poetic quality to it and which the film yeah. achieves brilliantly. And so I'm just curious how you, how you thought about that. Cause it's obviously very important. Right. Oh, well, 100%. I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I think if I, uh, if I thought I had the answers, it'd be really boring. And I think, <laughs> but I think that's true of life. You know, people mm. who always claim to know, uh, to know the answers, you know, I, I, I know what the problem in this country is. I know how I'm going to fix this. I know how we're going to do this. It, it's boring. Um, and it's, and it's, and it's wrongheaded, wrongheaded. I mean, we, you know, look, um, I think as humans, we, need to really come to terms with the fact that we don't know anything. Mm. Um, And I'm not saying by this that we shouldn't listen to scientists. I think that the great tragedy of our time is we're not listening to scientists. I mean, there are people out there who work very hard to, to, (laughs) you know, to, to, to provide 
just basic elements that help save lives, right? Mm -hmm. We should listen to those people. I mean, there's a reason why we go to experts. I'm certainly not suggesting that there are no experts. There are experts in every single field. But the experts are people who study, who work hard, you know, who work on very specific things. You know, when your car breaks down, you go to a garage. You don't go to a baker, right? <laughs> I mean, that's just, it's just, a, it's just a basic fact of life. But beyond that, you know, life, life is um, full of mysteries. And, and, you know, we know so little about why we're here, where we're going, you know, what we're doing on this rock hurtling through space. Uh, it, you know, is there a God? Is there no God or whatever? We, you know, we can all have our, our beliefs and our faith. And I think that's absolutely wonderful. But, you know, to me, the mysteries, is, is what it's about. And so I think it would be extraordinarily pompous of me to approach something like Lynch Oz and say, that's it. I've cracked the code. You know, you must look at the films of David Lynch through the Wizard of Oz and you will understand him. <laughs> you know, that's, that's BS, you know, <laughs> it, it's BS. It's like all these, you know, and I'm not going to name names, but you know, there you see these things on YouTube. It's like, I, that's it. I've, figured out how to crack Mulholland Drive. Well, good for you. You've cracked a, cracked a way for you to understand Mulholland Drive. That's fine. But, you know, we need to stop uh, trying to uh, uh, go after intent. The greatest filmmakers, I mean, look, I spent a lot of time with William Friedkin, right, working on, on, on Leap of Faith. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's these wonderful moments when he says, I, you know, why did the why does the clock stop? I don't know. It just felt right. Why does the opening shot, you know, go from black and white to color? I don't know. It felt like <laughs> the right thing to do. You know? And so that but that's it, you know. So to me it's really more about exploring the mysteries, uh, mm -hmm. and realizing that there are mis mysteries and deepening those mysteries because in the mysteries that's where, that's where the, the, the fun is, you know, to mm -hmm. not know, to not know what life is about is what makes life beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, if we knew everything about life, I mean, gosh, my gosh, it'd probably be terrifying. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, um, I can't wait to see this film again. And I also really can't wait to see your vertigo film <laughs> whenever, uh, whenever you're able to, you. to yeah. give us that. So uh, thank you so yeah, much for but but yeah we'll, we'll we'll get to that eventually there'll be there'll be a couple of others before we get to that one so amazing well i can't wait for those two thank you so much um again for for taking the time to to talk with me i I, I really appreciate it thank you my pleasure likewise thank you so much essay podcast is hosted and produced by me will degravio i also edited today's episode emily subin co is our show's associate producer music by ketza learn more at the video essay.com mm -hmm.